Well, good evening, everybody. Right. Gabe already kind of beat me to asking about what y'all learned or remembered from last night. So let's just go ahead and have a word of prayer before we get started. Our Father and King, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fellowship that we're having while we're celebrating your appointed times. May the words that come out of my mouth be edifying both to you and to this body of believers. In Yeshua's name, Amen. So, for those who was at morning prayers this morning, y'all already went through Mark 5 and 6. But for those who haven't, just for context, I'm going to go ahead and just read 5 and 6 so that we're all on the same page. I have security, see her out. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So starting in Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Yeshua got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. So again, another person filled with an evil spirit. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Yeshua from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Yeshua, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Yeshua had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Yeshua asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Yeshua again and again not to send them out of the, of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Yeshua, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Yeshua, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were terrified. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about what happened to the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Yeshua to leave their region. As Yeshua was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Yeshua did not let him and said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Yeshua had done for him and all the people were amazed. When Yeshua had, gained, had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Yeshua, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Yeshua went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she only grew worse. When she heard about Yeshua, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's some incredible faith. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. 
At once, Yeshua realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Yeshua kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Yeshua was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus, Yeshua told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Yeshua saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was approximately 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Yeshua left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Shabbat came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him that even, that even he does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Miriam and, and Yosef's son? Isn't he the brother of Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Yeshua said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his, in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Yeshua went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet where you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Yeshua's name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, He is Elijah. And still others claimed, He is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to, to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to. Because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. 
Go figure. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of the Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his, and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you, up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with a request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered around Yeshua and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Yeshua landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take eight months of a man's wages. And we are, and are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they find out, they said, five and two fish. Then Yeshua directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the, two, broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately Yeshua made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at the Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Yeshua. And they ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Whew. It's a lot. 
where I want to pick up in chapter 6, where it says Yeshua has gone to his hometown to teach in the synagogue. The people are blown away at his knowledge, his wisdom, and his miracles. And what, and what do they do? They begin to say, oh, well, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Yosef and Miriam's son? Do we not know his brothers and sisters? It says Yeshua was amazed at their lack of faith. Remember that. Some translations may say that he marveled at their lack of faith. I like marveled better. There are only two places that I found in the Gospels where it says that Yeshua marveled at something. And this is one of those times. Where, where Yeshua marveled at the lack of faith of the people in Nazareth. The other is in Matthew chapter 8 when the centurion comes and asks Yeshua to just give the word and his servant would be healed. Yeshua marveled at the faith of the Roman centurion so much that he turned to his disciples and said, I have not found anyone in Israel with such faith. The book of Mark contains perhaps the most miracles in the Bible, if I'm not mistaken. But miracles are not a new thing that Yeshua introduces, are they? We've seen miracles all throughout the, the Tanakh as well. Remember how Hashem worked miracles through Moses in the presence of Pharaoh. Remember the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, the manna in the desert, the walls of Jericho falling. The Bible from front to cover is filled with miracles. So we shouldn't be caught by surprise when we see Yeshua working miracles, right? This isn't new. But we see all throughout the Brit Hadashah where disciples of Yeshua also perform miracles. I have a few right here. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 31, Peter walks on water. In Acts 2, verse 4, all believers spoke in foreign languages. In Acts 2, verse 43, in Acts 5, verse 12, the, the apostles worked many signs and wonders. In Acts, 2, in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and chapter 3, verse 16, Peter and John healed the lame man. There we go. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, Stephen performed amazing miracles and signs. In Acts chapter 8, verse 7, and verse 13, Philip casts out demons and heals the lame. In Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17, Peter and John laid hands on believers who then received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 35, Peter heals Aeneas and Lydia. In Acts chapter 9, 36 through 43, Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. In Acts chapter 13, 11, and 12, Paul cursed and blinded the blasphemous Elymas, the sorcerer. In Acts 14, verse 3, Paul and Barnabas performed signs and wonders in Iconium. Acts 14, 8 through 10, Paul and Barnabas healed the crippled man who had faith. Acts 16, verse 16 through 18, Paul and Silas cast a demon out of a fortune-telling slave girl. 
In Acts chapter 19, 11, and 12, Paul, given extreme power for many unusual miracles, people touched him with aprons and handkerchiefs and laid the cloths on the sick and demon-possessed who were then healed. In Acts chapter 28, 3-6, Paul was unharmed by a poisonous snake bite. In Acts 28, 7-8, Paul healed Publius's father of fever and descendery. And in Acts chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, he healed all sick people on the island of Malta. Hmm. So, how many people here believe that God, Hashem, is the same forever? Yesterday, today, and forever. Should be all of us, correct? How many of you also know that our Messiah, our Rabbi, said that if we believe in Him we would perform miracles and that we would do greater works than even he did. That is in John 14, verse 12. And it says, Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Like most of you, I've seen some fringy groups out there that really take this to the extreme. But our Messiah performed miracles and signs and wonders. And the apostles operated in the Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, 12 through 16, it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. In the Messianic world, miracles, healing, signs and wonders can be a little bit taboo maybe. And I think some of that has you know, some of that has to do maybe with our respective church backgrounds. Or maybe some video we saw on YouTube. But this is something that shouldn't be taboo to us at all. Because our Messiah, Yeshua, did these things. And he said that we can do them as well. Did he not? Now we pray and we take petitions to the Father and we have faith that He's going to hear our prayers, right? How many praise reports do we hear about every Shabbat during the Misha Barak? We do. If we don't believe in miracles and answered prayers, we probably shouldn't pray. We probably should just skip over the Misha Barak. But we do believe that God heals, correct? Maybe we should pray Luke 17, 5 through 10, where they pray to increase our faith, that God increases our faith. I want to be like our Messiah. But I fail daily. I really do. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. You can ask my wife and, and my girls. I mean, I mess up all the time. And sometimes my, my actions don't always line up with my words, unfortunately. 
and I'm doing my best to work on that. But I want people to look at me and see Yeshua. That should be all of our, our goal, right? I want to walk in the fullness of His Spirit. And when we talk about keeping Shabbat being a window into the Messianic, into the Messianic age, right? It being a, a window. How much more so would it be a window to lay hands on someone and see them healed? Sometimes I think we forget that the same spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead resides in all of us. Y'all believe that? I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> That's Romans 8 verse 11, by the way. So the next time someone at work asks you to pray for them, pray with them right there. It's easy to just say, yeah, I'll keep you in my prayers and just go about your day. And they'll probably never think twice about it after that. And I understand that. You know, it can be nerve-wracking to do that, especially if you're not used to it. But what a testimony that would be to that person, that somebody would care enough to stop right there and pray with them. We just have to have faith and allow God to do the rest. It's kind of like what Anthony was saying last night. You know, we throw the seeds, but God does the rest, right? Is there any comments or questions? Before I wrap up, I don't have my glasses on, so I was like, yeah. That's a good question, actually. I haven't thought of that. Because if he's coming from these, uh, these ten cities, it's primarily They're Greek. a Gentile region of yeah. the Galilee. He might be the very first non-Jewish follower of Yeshua. Yeah. Who starts proclaiming him in the ten cities. Just a thought. Mm. Savior. So in addition to maybe praying for people in the moment at work or in the, in the store, the checkout line, or where, wherever we are, what are some things you think that we at DMF need to be doing to maybe, um, to walk in these things more? Oh goodness, <laughs> that's that's a that's a good question. What was that? What was the question? Uh, yeah, sorry. Be, so besides just praying for people in the grocery lines and at work and in our day-to-day -day life, what are some ways we can maybe uh, tap into to more intimacy with the Father to be able to walk in what He's called us to walk in. Hmm. What do you think we need to do? Before I, I don't ask Him to give us that uh, yeah. power that we long for to be like Him. Yeah, I believe, you know, it's like that, the prayer I mentioned, where you know, we need to pray that God increases, increases our faith. You know, I mean, if we're going to be, I mean, I think... A lot of us like to pride, maybe pride ourselves is not the best word to use, but, you know, we like to try and do Bible things in Bible ways, and those are Bible things, are they not? Yeah. You know, and I know that there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet and, and, and fringe groups that really just take a lot of this stuff to the extreme, but needless to say, I mean, our rabbi does these things and says that we can as well. 
And I think, you know, um, hmm. how should I put it? <laughs> uh, I think we'd probably see a society be a lot different if we actually walked this out better than we do. But to, to answer your question, I mean, is there any people who may want to try and answer Xavier's question on that? Like, what are some things that we can do to, to do those things or to prepare ourselves to do those things? Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. Being led by his spirit. Definitely being the most very important. I think sometimes when you look at the landscape of the body of Messiah, you have certain denominations or groups you know, that Yeshua says we will walk and we will worship in the spirit and truth. And sometimes certain denominations or churches or, or groups will, their pendulum will lean more yeah. towards right. spirit than truth. And I think he's wanting us to walk or stand on both of those legs. Right. A balance of both. Or many times groups will be swayed to one side or the other. It'll be all spirit and, and very little truth and right. meat of the word. Or there'll be a lot of meat of the word and a lot of letter of the law or, or a lot of mm -hmm. obedience and things, which is good. Yeah. But um, lack in the fundamental aspects of what it looks like to be spirit led or spirit filled. Right. You have to maintain that balance and strike that balance. I also think there's also a lot of hurt in the messianic world from the church. And, and I think there's a lot of hesitancy because of that to to operate in the same way that some of those uh, organizations do. I saw there's some more. De there's definitely some, some kooky. Yes, absolutely. People operating in the supernatural spiritual side of things. Absolutely. And then there's definitely some very legalistic groups out there that are very dry, like have you don't feel any anointing in their gatherings whatsoever. Right. Yeah, I think bringing the two together and saying let's let's find that balance. Please do. Find that medium, yeah. right? I saw a hand over here. Yes. One of the things that has greatly helped me in building my faith has been as I've been with the other people in prayer every week. The corporate prayer meeting has been very helpful. Mm -hmm. And as you were saying, I mean, the last week or two, whenever it was. Discipline in prayer, she said, is something that's really strengthened her faith. <coughs> Sometimes we have people coming into the meetings that are very needful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we lack in the Messianic movement as a whole, I think, is any kind of an invitation at any point during the meeting, whether it's at the end or whatever. I can, I'm recalling now when I was a teenager, we had a, uh, a coffee house ministry and we would uh, have people give testimonies and stuff. And what we had, we had over in the corner, we had what we called a prayer tent. <laughs> and it was, it was a parachute that was set up like a tent where you could walk in there, 
so people could go in there and be prayed for, kind of, right. in, in their own oh, privacy. And so, just throwing some ideas out there. Yeah. Maybe we'd have a suka set up there, uh, prayer suka or whatever. Yeah. Where people could walk in and be prayed for. You know, that the women could pray for the women and yeah. the men could pray for right. men. The, yeah, the Bible Good does. Idea. Yeah, the Bible does say to, you know, does encourage the laying on of hands. It does. You know, it's... In, in ancient times, the Israelites constantly had prayers of thanksgiving going up to, to God. Um, I mean, for the, for the littlest thing, a nice breeze, um, a, a fragrance from a flower. Yeah. Just constantly, thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you for different things. Uh, and, and I'm one to speak because I'm... I'm a terrible one at giving the Lord thanks for the, everything. Mm -hmm. But if we did that on a continual basis, um, I think our demeanor would change so much and we, it right. would be so obvious in our lives to other people the peace and the love and the thanks that we had that uh, we would be a shining example of, uh, of God's love. Right. And people would come to us find what we have that they don't. Right. I mean, we're supposed to be, I think Gabe said it a thousand times, we're, we're little Yeshua's. Right? Well, Yeshua did some, some a lot of a lot of uh, you know, healings and signs and wonders. And he did. He did. Because we, we don't heal anybody. Only through God's, God's Spirit does that. Yes, Julia? instead of just praying with or praying for people is do the same thing that Yeshua did and that was open a window to the coming kingdom and in that it shows him as the coming king so really introducing people to Yeshua as their Messiah not just praying for the healing or praying for restoration but helping them to start a relationship with mm -hmm. Yeshua and being able to, to see and then go and share about yeah. the kingdom that's coming and his reign and that not mm. just not not just signs and wonders for the sake of signs and wonders but yeah. for the sign of relationship and mm -hmm. for what's coming right i agree yeah this has been probably i'm gonna get you in just a second i saw that hand back there um this has probably been one of the hardest teachings i've had to do i mean um just the subject matter is, uh, but a couple years ago at Revive, uh, Brad Scott, that many of you probably know who he is, um, from Wild Branch Ministries, he's no longer with us, but a few years ago at the end of Revive, he had, he got up there and he wanted to do something that was a little unorthodox for us. And that was to have people come down and get prayed for. And it, it's kind of sad that it was that it's something that was uh, <sighs> trying to find the words to say for it, but um, yes, unusual. unusual, and people were hesitant. I mean, people were looking at each other like, "What is this? I haven't done one of these since I was in church." <laughs> You know, but it was a powerful moment. I mean, Xavier was there, Rebecca, I believe you were there as well. I mean, it was a powerful moment. Um, and I think that 
you know, towards the end of his life, I mean, that was something Brad Scott was really wanted for the Messianic movement was for us to to uh, come into spirit and truth together. And um, yes, back in the back. Yes, I just wanted to, uh, we've done it a few different times now, but uh, Joe and I, I, I was having a toothache on one of my, uh, one of my molars, mm -hmm. and I really didn't want to go to the dentist, I'd been putting up with it, every time I ate, it would bother me, and I finally, I asked Joan if she would lay hands and, and pray for me, and she, she did, she laid hands on me and, and, and prayed for me, mm -hmm. and it absolutely went away, and has never bothered me since. Right. Amen. Baruch Hashem. So I think husbands and wives should be praying for each other. And Amen to that, too. Yes. Xavier. So, what it, you mentioned that there are some pretty out there things claiming to be of the Spirit. Can you maybe give an example of something you've seen? Uh, oh, God. That would open up a... <laughs> oh, gosh. And or, can you maybe... Bouncing off of Gabe's merging with spirit and truth, balancing each other. How can we avoid, if we're going to try to pursue these things, how can we avoid those kooky things? By sticking, yeah, stay away from snakes. I think you just, it, I think as long as we keep to the, to the guidelines set here. I mean, you see Yeshua just saying the word half the time, you know. You know, there's, there, there's, yeah. Of how the Lord dealt with his people. Yeah. And these were believers in the early century. Uh, they were pretty much content to stay in Jerusalem, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Until 70 AD. And all of a sudden they got driven to the nations. In a great turmoil. Mm -hmm. So this is a something that's in the Lord's heart that we have to be more about just ourselves. We have to be in his heart and his desire for us to reach out to other people and bring them in. He's always saying, come unto me. Bring the little children to me. Yeah. Constantly in his word. So we have to have that heart. We have to understand his heart. And that's what we're to be about. So the more ways we figure out how to do that, the more we serve him and more toward observant we are. Right. So... That's kind of a big picture. Right. We don't want him to deal with us harshly mm -hmm. and and drive us out. But we're going to have to share. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, that can happen. That can. It has. If I could throw it in thought too. Right. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, a lot of you maybe were there the um, Shabbat when I've been dealing with headaches and uh, chronic fatigue for years since I was about 12. Yeah. Right. And the same thing happened on Tuesday. 
I think oftentimes the disciples kind of had their own agenda. Yeah. You know, um, very much like how Judas kind of had his own agenda. You know, I don't think he, well, never mind. I ain't going to say that. But. I think they were tired and they were waiting, yeah. wanting the people to go on home. Right. I guess their hearts weren't in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeshua was focused on doing the will of his Father and bringing the kingdom of God of God to earth and the disciples were probably more inconvenienced than anything else. <laughs> but, um, Patrick. Yeah, so, um, kind of to answer what Xavier was talking about, um, this is just kind of, just my thoughts just thinking out loud, but with, with Yeshua, he was the perfect balance of what we were just talking, talking about. The perfect balance. And he even extends his yoke. He says that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're fat and happy over here in America. You know, it, it's you know, um, I think people's alluded to it before, where um, Americans are the hardest to reach because we have everything, and I think sometimes we can be desensitized because of that. Even and I think that impacts us as well. But you know, I mean, we have our our rabbis example to follow you know um i don't have to mention the names of some of these groups 
I think we all know who they are. But, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you don't see theatrics here, really. You just see Yeshua speaking the word more oftentimes than not. Yeah. What? Not grandiose enough. Yeah. Um, what is, one of my pastors said that we're like seared meat. You know, where nothing gets in and gets out because we, we're so seared. Cooked and so hardened, I guess it is. Our consciousness is seared, our beliefs are seared. So they're not tender to the things that happen on a day to day basis. Right. A lot of people here are just looking at their watches trying to beat the Baptist to Applebee's. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, looking at this crowd here tonight, I consider us to be a miracle. Yeah. Looking back, you know, what we came out of years ago, thinking that, you know, nobody else messianic and dope them or whatever. Yeah. You know, 20 or 30 years ago. And here we are gathered together and we have each other, we have the Lord in our midst. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Anthony. Oh, Miss Joanne. Seat seat. Mm, yeah. Sometimes talks about the hem of his garment yeah. that she took hold of. But I want to point out, uh, I'm going to read this from Malachi. This was the last few words of the last prophet in the Old Testament. And it reads this But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. 
and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Uh, healing in his wings. The wings, I think some commentary has been made on, on that particular word there. Yeah. Uh, as being a reference to the disease seat. Yeah. So she had faith in who he was already. I forgot the question. <laughs> I think I was, I was um, picturing oil and how, you know, to have a lamp to burn brightly, you need really pure oil. Mm-hmm. And how do you get pure oil? You refine it over mm-hmm. and over. And just the act of extracting oil from olives is a very painful process for the olives. They have to be crushed together and and crushed even more and bleeds out and then it's refined over and over and over and filtered out to rid itself of like moisture and impurity and you know sediment from the olives itself otherwise the flame would flicker and it wouldn't throw off a very bright pure light Mm -hmm. but the the more refined that oil is the brighter that light becomes and i think you know the greek word for tribulation that's often used in reference to the end times is carries with it the idea of pushing together causing to like forcing together so i i don't know what it will look like or when it will be but i would imagine this time of persecution against the believers and the end times will serve as a refining process for the body of messiah that will in turn produce supernatural <coughs> and miraculous signs and wonders within the body of Messiah because it will be refined and purified from impurities. There will be people who will say, I can't hang with this. I don't want to be a part of this. My heart really wasn't in this to begin with. It's getting too tough for me. And the oil will become pure because of that. And I Mm -hmm. believe that signs and wonders will begin to be made manifest through the body of Messiah and that light will grow brighter because of that and people will be drawn to it mm-hmm. for his namesake but that's just a thought I had and maybe 
maybe that ties into what you're talking about, that the, the body of Messiah in the United States of America is so comfortable and complacent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like Karen was talking about, she goes overseas and sees believers who suffer for the sake of their faith, and they see the supernatural at work. We don't suffer for the sake of our faith, and I think our oil needs to be refined. And I often say this when we pray for revival in the United States of America, we're simultaneously praying for persecution to come, mm -hmm. because that will bring a revival. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that input. That was really good. Can I build on what Joanne shared? Yes. Could you read again Yeshua's words when he raised the little girl up from the dead? Yeah. Talita Kumi? Is that how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Says, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. He wrapped the. Second witness to the prophecy she quoted. Usually you can't just have one instance of it for it to be true. So it's the second witness. When he wrapped the little girl's hand around his calice, that was healing his wings. Huh. Hmm. I, I heard teaching on that, you know, 20 years ago. I'm just telling you what somebody else yeah. went through the trouble of investigating and learning and shared. That was good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Something that really came to me as I've been reading in Mark, I've really been enjoying reading And one of the things that's come to me is it really portrays Yeshua as the suffering servant. It shows his humanity, how he gets hungry, how he gets tired, how he's full of compassion for these people that are constantly pressing on him. Mm -hmm. And having to tell people, keep quiet about it because otherwise he wasn't going to have freedom of movement. And he got to that point. We see that. Yeah. And yet, despite all of that, he continues to go on. And there is a place where it talks about the disciples thought he was unstable. Yeah. There's one place in one of the translations that says they thought he was unstable because he didn't eat, he didn't sleep, he was constantly leaving early, early in the morning before it was light to go pray. And these are things that we need to emulate as well. Right. We need to have that kind of compassion for other people, people around us, the, the everyday person that checks our groceries out, that everyday person that does whatever. We need to have that kind of like you were talking about, where we will stop what we're doing and pray with that person. Right. Or whatever it is. That's being Yeshua. Right. That's being broken for other people. Yeah. I mean, Stopping that's... Stopping our agenda for somebody else. I mean, that's just... That's your fruit of the Spirit, too. I mean, that's yeah, having true. patience and compassion and long-suffering for people, which can be hard to do for us as human beings, but... 
Yeshua did it. Is there anybody else before we close out? I was going to ask him something. Yeah. I just wanted to add on a little bit to what Gabe, uh, Gabe said. Uh, I did some harvesting in Israel with olives. and um, You have to beat the tree. I don't know if anyone's harvested olives. Anybody harvest olives? Anyway, you have to whack this tree like a lot. <laughs> um, anyway, your body's entirely sore. Anyway, when I was doing it, uh, it made me think about Yeshua and, and who was with. And, mm-hmm. and then the whole process of the olives. Uh, someone also said while we were harvesting that the oil for the temple, they actually, was the first drop, I don't know if anyone else has heard this, but the first drop out of the olive, no more. You can use any oh, wow. more of that olive or that, that oil for uh, the temple. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure where that came from, but that's what she told me. Anyway, uh, but yeah, after that, we took it, uh, sent it off somewhere to be pressed, and then we got it back, and we got it back and it was like this, it had the sediment was all like on the top, so it hadn't like set. So, uh, so we had to like let it sit for a few more days, and then finally it was, you know, it was clear and that nasty stuff wasn't on the top anymore. But if you let it sit too long, it'll go rancid. So, I was thinking about us and how sometimes we have to like, we have to be beaten and pressed and then sit for a while, <laughs> mm. and then, but not sit for too long, otherwise you go rancid. Yeah. Can can we do uh can we pray like me and together? Um when me and Jeremy came together, um I was very spirit and he was very truth. And we actually didn't always do very well in the same space at all. <laughs> I, I was very spirit, uh moved very much in the spirit and um very much signs, wonders, miracles. Um, evangelism and all and um, lacked a lot of information that I needed to have in order to operate in that way and Jeremy was actually very much more tried to steer away from anything to do with signs wonders miracles (laughs) evangelism or anything so um, when we came together we had to learn how to how well that the two sides actually function <laughs> together yeah. and um and now we're married and we haven't killed each other yet so <laughs> it's obviously working but um can uh if you have your spouse i was just thinking of it whenever mr dean was talking about praying for your spouse if you have your spouse here just kind of get together and do you mind praying over everybody just for you know just for God to pour out His Spirit and mm-hmm. like really in Spirit and truth in our our marriages and our homes and yeah. also that so since so the, the I think that underlying thing is we actually don't know how to do this mm-hmm. all <laughs> so that's kind of the point so just for God to really show yeah. us and yeah if everybody wants us. to uh, find their significant other I'll give you all this a second. Our Father and King, Father, we just thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, Father. We thank you for your for your miracles that are forever with us and that your miracles that never cease. I pray, Father, that you would help us to walk 
in spirit and in truth. And that we would be a window into the messianic era for those around us on a daily basis. That when people look at us, they would see your son, Yeshua. I pray, Father, that you would just increase our faith and give us a boldness to take your word out to all those that are around us who need you. Help us, Father, to just stand firm and, and be courageous. Not be af afraid of rejection or, or, or being shamed. But just doing your will here on earth. Pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Uh, tomorrow night, you guys are in for a treat. We have uh, Jedediah coming back, and he's going <laughs> to teach on Mark. Yeah, we're flying him all the way in from Pennsylvania to talk again. I don't think I met him. Yeah. Um, but before you guys run off, I have uh, two things real quick. One is um, a happy one, and then one's a sad one. One you need to be in prayer for, I should say. Uh, but. Uh, I want team one of the cooking contest to come forward. Team one, who was that? Who, whoever, yeah, come up here. If you're on team one, and you, you're, right, was it? No, team two, I'm sorry, team two. <laughs> team two one. Oh man, team one, so let down. Team two, come on up. The winners, whoever won the competition. I don't remember who it was, team two. Uh, these guys worked really hard. And uh, there was some amazing food that they, that they all made. And it was so hard to decide which one of them did the best. But um, myself and Annie and Todd settled on team two here. And they made some amazing food. I didn't know what I was getting myself into being the judge. <laughs> I didn't know if there was going to be like french fries poking out of stuff. And, <laughs> but no, you did, you did great. And I'm going to give them a one-hour pass to the trampoline park here in Dothan. And um, they can all go together and jump on the jump on the trampolines together. So give it up for team two. Alright. And uh, we expect you guys to cook for us all tomorrow night. <laughs> sure. so what did you guys make? Tell them what you made. Zach, you know what it's called. Uh, Black and chicken sandwich? Was that what it was? With a crepe on the side? Very good. All right, you guys all got one? Yeah, we are. All right, cool. All right, thank you, thank you. The other thing is, um, some of you may have seen the text that, that Melanie's um, father may have suffered a heart attack, is that right, um, today? And he, has, he was having difficulty, you guys can have a seat, thank you. He was having difficulty breathing, and so they, they uh, rushed him to the hospital. And he's being transferred to Florence Hospital in northern Alabama. Um, so... Uh, just, let's just pray for Melanie right now. She's unable to go see him because of these COVID restrictions. Um, and she's just, right now, she just feels like really um, kind of in turmoil because he, she's worried about him being alone and fretting about the family. And, and um, she, you know, she just wishes she could go up there and just hold his hand right now. So um, what is the latest update on him, Melanie? I saw you. They haven't called you back yet. Okay. Okay. 
So if you could just imagine um, being in Mel Melanie's shoes right now, your father is, you know, several hours away and having a heart attack and having difficulty breathing, and no family can be in the hospital room with him right now. And so we just want to pray for peace for her and for her dad to have a complete recovery and healing and that we would get a good update. So let's just agree in prayer together. Abba Father, we love you. We thank you for the Blackman family. And I just pray for a supernatural peace to come over Melanie about the situation. You know the anxiety that she's going through right now, not being able to be there and hold her dad's hand. But I just pray that you would comfort her, be with her, and give her the rest that she needs tonight. Give the family around them wisdom and discernment as to what to do. And give doctors and nurses wisdom and discernment as to how to treat her dad tonight. And we thank you that he has had a good long life. And we, despite that, pray for a complete recovery and healing right now. In Yeshua's name, we pray for a good report. And we just ask that you would comfort and surround your family right now with with your shalom that passes all understanding. And that they would all just receive uh, rest and peace about the situation. And we'll give you all the glory for it. In Yeshua's mighty and precious name, amen. Well, guys, we'll see you tomorrow morning. For those who are camping out, 6.30 is prayer. And uh, we'll see you then. Everybody rest well. Be safe. Hey, make sure you walk around your car before you back out. We don't want to run over any little ones tonight. But have a good night, everybody. Lie the toe.